Look at the Boga Honey Podcast. That's why I, I tried not to have camps on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like up. that. You just put a new string on there, you're fine. What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing ever. It, it go, I am all about Just strap it to your pack. Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia. You don't want to be the next Mark Kenyon. No. I'm a shit show. <laughs> that's, that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now. <laughs> because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Hey, everybody. Before we begin, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors that helped make this show possible. First up is Vortex Optics. We've been using their glass for a long time. Uh, everything from their binoculars, spotting scopes, rangefinders, and a new thing called Vortex Edge. Vortex Edge is their new world-class firearm training course, and they, they're going to provide courses on precision rifle, uh, pistol, a couple of military tactics, and of course, hunting and outdoors. And also, their spring and summer apparel line is dropping soon. So make sure to head over to vortex.com apparel and save yourself 20%. By using what code? BOGA20. Nice. Trophy line, tree saddles. They are a one-stop shop. Sticks, platforms, yeah, saddles. It's uh, And they just came out with a new EDP platform. It's a smaller, lighter, stronger version of the mission platform made in the U.S. It's the perfect size for us as mobile hunters. It's going to be available this April, so make sure to go and get yourself one. Save yourself 10% while you're doing it and use the code BOGAHUNTINGTL10. Don't miss any letters in that. Go check them out. If we said it once, we said it a thousand times. Arrows are the lifeblood of the archery industry. Vector arrows, vector custom arrows are the arrows that we shoot. Jared and I specifically shoot the vector HMR, the vector hammers. Hammer them. Yep. They're a four millimeter micro diameter shaft that are super strong, extremely durable. You're going to go to the website. All you have to do is input your specs and they're going to build the arrows directly for your specs. So head over to vectorcustomshop.com and they're going to hook you up. We do a lot of things on our phones. One of the things that Jared and I have found to be especially useful on our phone is our HuntWise app. It's the base. It's basically the ultimate hunting tool yep. set. Land boundaries. They've got HuntCast 2.0, where it, it's an advanced hunting forecast to give you specific times and days that are the best days to hunt. And they also provide a safe and social space for hunters, where you can post pictures, share stories. You won't get a graphic image, yeah, you know, Instagram not... cover over it. <laughs> Uncensored and unbiased. Yeah, download the HuntWise app today. All right, welcome to another episode of this wonderful podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. Today, we have two very special guests, Travis and Miranda. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. How are you guys, man? Good. It sounds like you guys have had a pretty big past couple of days, from what I can <laughs> tell on social media. Is that right? Past couple of months, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a whirlwind. We just had our, we got married in February. It was kind of like an elopement style wedding. And then we just had our reception with like all of our friends and um, Travis's family that couldn't come to the wedding. So yeah, we just got done with that. And some of our friends and family that were staying, um, we finally shipped them out this morning and <laughs> it, was a, it was a great time. We just yeah. spray them with a hose or something to get out or get, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. They didn't want to leave. I didn't want them to leave, yeah. but time to get back to real life <laughs> yeah i i can uh, you know i'm going to uh, a covid wedding celebration in august yeah who's uh, new jersey a, a guy i went to school, actually oh, okay. when i was in school out there uh and 
like they got married, I don't know, months ago, but they couldn't have anybody out. So it's like now I get to celebrate their love. I feel like I gave a gift then. Do I give another gift? Is that how that goes? See, I wanted to ask you guys that. Like, did you guys get dressed back up again? No, they the... did. I saw the pictures. Did you? Yeah. Okay. I haven't been yeah, on. Yeah, we got dressed up again. I So I really wanted, like, mountainous background and um, just a couple different things in our wedding photos, and we didn't get them the first time. So I was like, well, I might as well just wear my dress again so that we can get pictures with all the family and then get another round of photos that kind of like make up for the images I didn't get before. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of people, it's like one and done for their, like their wedding day. That does make it convenient. I yeah. remember my wife and her trying to grab pictures and she's like, I wish I would have grabbed this, this, and this. You and get two like, days, two, two tries days, at it. You get two strikes. Yeah. You know, Yeah, we got to, um, I got occasions of, um, wearing the dress, so it kind of like made the dress like half price, you know. Sure, exactly. <laughs> That's right. The wear per the cost per wear went way down. <laughs> I don't know anything about that, but I trust you. Yeah, that's right. It's probably fair. Well, now nah, we're we're excited to have you guys on. Um, I know you guys uh, do a lot of hunting, but um, you guys met Jared in Michigan and right. Boyne Mountain. Um, yep. And so I, I have things I want to ask you guys about, but the first thing is like, you did you shoot with Jared? No, we didn't. Okay, no. so it seems like we that's what everybody says. See, did you even shoot there or just walk around? I did shoot. Uh, I think uh, Nate and those guys set up a, a time before I could jump in on it. And I had uh, a workmate with oh, me. Oh, that's right, yeah. So I was I was going to try to transfer my knock time over to go with you guys. But, uh, no, yeah, we met up right on the range. We kind of talked very briefly about what you guys had been doing here in the past couple months. And uh, – I said we get into it, but I I know James kind of has a schedule for these episodes, so we'll probably jump into it in a little bit. But yeah, yeah, make it up on the fly. No, I know. <laughs> what what I yeah. Well, actually, before we jump in, why don't you guys just um, maybe introduce who you are, uh, how you guys know each other, how you guys met, uh, and some of the things that you guys do. I'll let you start that one. Um. So basically, we have both been in the hunting industry for our whole lives. Um as you know instagram came about and stuff like that social media we both got connected basically through social media actually we had some uh, mutual friends and stuff and we don't really have a super exciting story about how we mm -hmm. met we just kind of met through social media honestly cool um and travis actually became my personal trainer of all things seriously um, wow <laughs> and i yeah so he was my fitness coach for a few months and then we kind of just uh realized we were talking to each other a lot more than normal <laughs> he was giving you a little extra fitness attention you know yeah. more than his other clientele yeah yeah and it just, you know, the relationship just kind of progressed from there and he lived in idaho at the time i lived in montana and so we did the long distance thing for, I don't know, a few months. Yeah, long. And then Travis was like, oh, bummer, I've got to move to Montana. So <laughs> Nuts. <laughs> you, you're kind of, you work it. Yeah, can, that was can, a good plan. That's a good work. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like work, your approach, Travis. man. Classy game. Yeah, and then honestly, like both of our career paths were like super flexible. So um, we both got to travel around a little bit, go see each other, go hunt to different places. Um, our first hunt together was actually a bear hunt in yeah, Idaho. It was an mm. Idaho-fated bear hunt. Yeah. 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 And um, we set the bait together with Travis's dad like a couple weeks earlier. Mm -hmm. And then we 
uh, drove out to Idaho and as soon as we got to the bait, Travis had a bear on the bait and shot the bear and we packed it out and it was cool. Um, and then really from there, like just a lot of our relationship, the reason why we get along so well and the reason why we just have a lot of fun together is because all of the things that he's interested in, I'm also interested in. And we joke about this a little bit, but like people are like, so like, uh, like, what hobbies do you guys have that like aren't the same as each other? You know, like, what do you guys do when you're not together? And it's like, well, we don't really ever not spend time together. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like we have to like look for hobbies. Yeah. The other person doesn't like because otherwise we would literally spend 24 seven together. That's so. funny. And that's not always healthy. So <laughs> you need a break. Like J Jared, I keep telling him like, man, I need that space. And Jared's is always <laughs> crowding me. I know what you mean. <laughs> It's like a handcuff. You can't even just you can't just cut it off. Ball and chain is the way ball I like and to chain. think of it. That yeah. is a ball and chain. Yeah. Um, but you can kind of tell like how what our crew path is. And well, I I started out. I, I've been a hunting guide my entire life. Um, so the lifestyle has just kind of always been the same for me. And then I kind of integrated the whole gym thing and the, the, the personal trainer thing. And right now it's kind of. Uh, for me, at least, it's how do I integrate the fitness into the hunting side to sure. do it in a way that nobody's really done. And I, I don't know, just kind of brainstorming on that because being all, you know, you guys know, being at the back bench, you start talking to so many people and especially us, you know, living in Montana, you have a bunch of East Coast guys who are like, what do I need to do to get in shape? I'm going to Colorado this yeah. year. I'm going to Utah The great debate. Um, so trying to just figure out how to really help those guys without some just like generic workout plan. Here you go. Like go do a million lunges and hike up some mountains. Because that's that's right. <laughs> so just trying to figure that out. And then we work for a new camo company and yeah, that's just crazy, man. That's it. I'm calling a break. You're calling a break? Break in the episode. This for is a timeout timeout in the episode and we are going to thank a couple more sponsors so deal with it it's no secret that i love traditional archery and i love bivouac boco jim and georgia years of experience each bow is handcrafted one of a kind i've got special camo limbs that nice. they did special for me they look awesome and they stand the test of time but it's looking great shoots great check them out bivouacboco.com Wild Pursuit Wellness makes premium CBD products. It's all natural, broad spectrum CBD, meaning that there is less than 0.0% THC. It can be ingested or used topically on the skin to help with muscle soreness or joints. We, we use it a lot after a long hike. Use promo code BOGA for 20% off at checkout. Check them out, wildpursuitwellness.com. That's awesome. So fitness, uh, you were always a hunter, but did you like get later on into fitness? How did that, how did those kind of come together? Well, I, I was pretty young. I was probably 19. I was just a short fat kid. And another right. of my best was like Jack. And I was like, hey, bro, let's go to the gym. Yeah. And it, it took me like a week. And I think, you know, there's been a few times in the last seven, eight years where I've had some time off. But for the most part, I just fell in love with it and just ran with it. And when I quit guiding the first time, He's like, well, what do I do? And he's like, well, I like to lift weights, so let's go be a personal trainer. Sure. Uh, I just kind of progressed, and now I'm in a world where I'm trying to mash both of them together. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. No, it's and it's a it's a big, you know, going out west is a big, especially from for guys like us in the east. 
it's a big, uh, the, especially the first time. The first time I went west, it was like, this is a little different than, you know, the hills in Michigan, which are not very steep, even mm-hmm. for hills. Um, and so that that's really, I've always kind of been interested in, um, you know, this, there's, there's like a couple parts of it. It's like, there's the strength and there's some endurance part, but there's like the uh, lung capacity that mm-hmm. is hard to prepare for. Like all the other stuff you can, you can run, you can lift and do all that stuff, but like getting your wind when you're out there, it, it seemed like that was what I struggled with the most. See, I was, I'm, I've always wondered about this too. Like yeah. it, for us, it's a big leap going from low elevation to high elevation, but how is it for you guys coming from high elevation they're, down to they're low even, elevation. They're even faster. Like, are, do you feel like you can just handle anything over here, or is it, like, different? Well, it, I've kind of noticed being in Pennsylvania and Michigan, when we were at the tackle event in Tennessee, we smoked it. Yeah. But we were in Pennsylvania and Michigan, dude, we got crushed, and I think it was the humidity was so high. Yeah. And there was, like, almost too much air. You yeah. almost felt suffocated half the time. The air is, like... Yeah. Oh, it's very thick. You it's sw- thick. Where you, you should be right here right now. It is because it's been raining on and off. You can it swim is, in it right now. I feel like I'm always sticky. I'm sticky right now. You I'm look sweating sticky. Sweating right now. I'm sweating. Yeah. When By the I'm end in the of the shower. podcast, he'll have just big. He gets them right under his bra strap. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it gets kind of kind of gross. But I mean, like leg, like muscular wise, leg. The legs could have gone for ten miles. Right. Sure. Um, I don't know it. In like it was just uncomfortable if I'm being honest. Yeah. Like, you're always wet, always sticky. Can breathe that well. It was, it wasn't any harder, or easier. It was just a lot different. Yeah, sure. That's why we spend so much time at the lake here. Everybody's at the lake all the time. Yeah, I, I understand that. Like everybody that I met from Michigan, they're like, I just go to the lake all summer. Yep. Like, <laughs> Cheers. Sweet. Yeah, that's the way you stay cool. You got to just kind of just lay in there, let yep. let that cool you down till fall comes. Um, that's interesting. So yeah, for a guy like me, you know, I've, I've tried different things to get my, uh, my oxygen level better. Uh, things like, uh, I, one time I had one of those masks, you know, it looks like Bane, uh, which I don't <laughs> which think those work. don't work. No, I saw that have shown to some other work. schlep and, uh, and you know, I've, you know, I don't know, like what, what's the, I'm sure you get asked this question a lot, but what's the best way to, to go other than just get there early and get acclimated to it? As far as adapting to elevation, I honestly don't think there is a way. Yeah. I think you can push as hard as you want, you know, in the gym or whatever it is you're doing for exercise. But if you go from 800 feet to 8,000 feet, you just need to give yourself a couple of days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I almost think when you make that giant leap, you should take two days and kind of train for it. Yeah. Go up, just mess around camp, go find a small hill, hike up it, hike back down, and just let your body acclimate because it's not worth ruining your week-long hunt because you want to just dive right into it yeah. i mean get there I get the pukes guys. and ca- have and kind of be ruined oh yeah it, dude it i've seen it messing i mean it, you know, their lungs fill up with water and blood and it starts you know they start puking it out all over the place and i'm like dude Jeez. That yeah reminds me of a party we went to in college that was a good right it was a good was party at not, the end of it not for ugly. that guy yeah. whoever it was no that's an extreme case i have personally dealt with a little bit of altitude sickness and I'm, I've lived in Montana my whole life. And there was one hike that I went on with my dad, I don't know, five or six years ago that um, I actually developed some altitude sickness, but we were at almost 12,000 feet and we did almost 30 miles that day. So it was like, that was an extreme case. And I sure. think anybody, no matter if you're in shape, you're not in shape, our friend Joe Griffin, you guys might know him. Mm, yeah. He got 
food sickness too. When he no, did he really? He did. Oh, yeah. good to know. What a Thank baby. you. What a baby. Thank you. That'll so, be that'll be stashed away for a little while. Yeah. I don't really always think that it's a matter of like how in shape you are because we all know mm-hmm. Joe's a savage. Yeah. Um, but I do think that you know the more you can train and work up your cardiovascularity and maybe get there a day or two early and just kind of get your body acclimated or maybe even just hunt lower, lower on the elevation, um, for a couple of days or just spend a lot of time glassing and not walking around heavily. Um, that could potentially help a lot. Um, if you are going to be pushing a lot of elevation, like hiking a lot of elevation gain during your hunt, um, it might be smart to take the first day or two to not hike huge amounts of elevation. Um, cause that's the day that I got sick. We did almost 4,000 feet of elevation, elevation gain in one day. And that's, that's a pretty significant amount of elevation to gain for somebody who's not used to that kind of altitude. So, yeah. So is it bad that I've, I went like zero to 15,000 in one day? You planes don't count. No, no, no. We drove up. This was when I, back when I was in Okinawa. Okay. Or we went to mainland Japan. Drove up to Fuji, yep. Mount Fuji, up. started hiking at like 11 o'clock at night, and we hit the summit, which was 15,000-something feet at like 8 in the morning. You just hiked all night? Hiked all Why? night. Because <laughs> we just did it. It was 4th of July. We wanted to get up there. and Just marine style. We just, just hiked up. So I, w- I was feeling it. I was feeling something. I didn't know what it was, but I was feeling something. It could have been the Johnny Walker we were drinking yeah. at the top, or it could have been an elevation sickness. Or both. It was not. Yeah. It was it was different. I can tell you that. I've never felt it before. Yeah, I don't know. It, like I said, it kind of depends on the person. And, I mean, there's a reason why when you go climb Mount Everest, they have you set up at base camp, and then they have you go up, and then they have you come back down, yeah. and then you have – and go up and they have you come back down like there there's a reason why they do that most people that come out west i would say aren't gonna do extreme amounts of elevation gain yeah however you know not being used to that kind of elevation um it affects different people differently yeah you know his family just came over from oregon this last weekend and they were up in the mountains a little ways close to where we got or had a reception and the first couple of days they were here, they were like, man, I just feel really out of breath. And then by day three, they're like, feel good. Yep. Sweet. Feel good now. So. That's how it usually goes for me. I get like two days where I'm like a little out of breath or I kind of feel like I'm, I am sleep not great. Um, mm-hmm. But then I get used to it. The first time I went out, I was kind of concerned because I, want, I wanted to get right out there and, and do some elk hunting and not be slowed down. So I, I didn't know any better, but I got one of those cans with a... <laughs> You know, and one, one, yeah, and uh, one was like minty and stuff. That's not real, right? Like that. There's, does that just psychologically making me feel better about it? I, I have no idea. I, I'm not even. I've never heard of that. You've before. never heard of this? Uh-huh. Have you, do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. They're just yeah. like these little cans. It's compressed yeah. air, compressed oxygen. You just, yeah, suck it. It up was minty. Yeah, <laughs> menthol or minty? Uh, no, I don't know. It could have been. It was one was a green lid, one was blue lid. I would have taken like a green apple. Oh, nice. That'd be nice. Or a peach. Ooh, peach a peach would be air. really good. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, so you guys, uh, I'm, I would imagine you've taken a lot of people who haven't necessarily done a lot of uh, Western hunting or maybe come from the East. Um, I know you guys took, you mentioned Joe uh, out uh, bear hunting this year. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that like, taking somebody out from the East? Like, how, how do they... 
How does that go? Don't compare Joe to everyone nah, else. Nah, Joe though. is different. We He's know, got a we know Joe is Joe. Yeah. Don't count. And honestly, Matt doesn't count either because he's so like his his mental game is so ridiculous. Matt, like you can not even tell that he wants to die. I love Matt. He, yeah, he just and, is always game. He's ready for anything. Like, hey, you guys, we're gonna go hike this sheer cliff. For, the, right, for cool. the people listening, Matt is kind of the the photographer videographer behind hunt wise he like sets the look in the field but we've spent a lot of time with matt in the woods and he is just like i mean we got him to jump in a, a recently unfrozen pond yep uh and we've take we dragged him like through swamps and wherever else and he's through just, west virginia with the untamed yeah like bear hunting yeah. he's he's a good dude he's so a he's a trooper so anyways yeah sorry to interrupt yeah no i mean so those guys don't count i right. mean they Honestly, there was days, most days they were ahead of us. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, <laughs> they also have like six to 12 inches of legs on us too. So that, <laughs> that <Yeah. helped>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I think when you take somebody who's never done it, even if they're from here, I mean, the bulk of people that hunt out West, they, they don't necessarily go do the, you know, big elevation game days. They don't go hike 10 miles in a day. Yeah. A lot of guys are, you know, they park the pickup, they walk in three quarters of a mile. If they don't find milk, they walk back to the truck and they do it again. Yeah. And it's normally relatively flat ground. Um, but I think the biggest thing with new people is just getting them to understand that they're not going to die. Right. Like, and that the, your body will give you more than you think it will. You just mentally, you have to be there. And there's like, it sounds ridiculous, but there's like a threshold of pain that once you get past it, it doesn't really exist anymore. And, you know, I tell her all the time, a lot of times I'm better on mile four than I am on one. Sure. Exactly. Like, yep. Everything's blown out. My lungs are blown out. The legs have got a freaky amount of blood in them and they're almost just numb at that point. And you just go. Yeah. But there's that, the first two miles is always the worst. I don't care how good shape you're in. Yep. So to convince someone that, hey, the further you go, it actually gets a little bit easier it's not an easy thing to do. But the guys that are like, I don't care. I'm just going to go and figure it out. Those are the people that normally find success. Yeah, it's that's life though, right? Like the, the getting going is like is the hard part. Once you're cruising along a little bit, you yeah. kind of just, you keep, you got some momentum behind you. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's always fun because you can see when that light goes off in someone's head. Yeah. Or, hey, it hurts a little bit and I might be out of breath, but it's not that big of a deal. And you, every time you, you know, exert yourself and expand your lungs, you, you're expanding your lung capacity. So every big pull up a hill you do, if you stop to take a break, your next pull is going to go better. Yeah. And it's going to go better and it's going to go better. Of course, you're going to hit a point throughout the day where you've just exerted yourself. You have no calories left yeah. and you're just like, yeah. yeah. But getting, just getting, someone to understand what it might take once you get past that point most people are good to go yeah and i will say too like when you're doing your training for the hunt like one of the ways that we kind of get ourselves mentally ready and hope like our clients and stuff that we train get mentally ready or mentally tough is like literally like when you feel like you can't do one more rep do like 10 more yeah or like when you're on the treadmill and you're like i can't go any further you have to literally have that switch almost like a trainer yelling at you like telling you keep going like you have to hit that point and you have to force yourself to go through it and the more you do that in the gym in life whatever you're doing that's going to help you on the mountain it translates over 
you get to that point where you're hiking up that hill with your 40 pound backpack and you're like, I can't take one more step and you have like two more miles to go. <laughs> yeah. That's yep. how take that, you know, that one foot in the one foot in front of the other approach. So you can actually keep going. Um, that's a mindset you develop, yeah. right? That's just mental toughness and muscle failure. You just got to push through it. And that's, and we've talked about this in the podcast a lot, but that for a lot of people, especially that we've talked to dictates who you hunt with. Um, and, and because sometimes non-mentally tough people, or just maybe people who don't care about, you know, getting out there and, and going really hard, uh, hunting, they don't mix always so well with people that do. Um, and we've, we've taken lots of people out like that individually and together where it's like, man, this is, uh, driving me crazy because, uh, we this both, is not a vacation. We look at this very Get your differently. Ass up. Yeah. It's time to go. You're going to be tired, more tired by the end of it than when you went in. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's a mindset. I would say that's a mindset that translates into to all of life. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it's a, I don't know. It's a fun game to play. Honestly, I think. that's why her and I hunt so well. Together. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, there, a lot of people will ask me, they'll kind of like pull me aside and they're like, does she hunt as well as you do? And I'm like, listen, baby, like, I don't, she's not my hunting partner. Cause she's my wife. Yeah. Right? Like my hunting partner, because I picked her over everybody else. Wow. And it's, it's just a mindset game that you just have to be in it. I mean, there's days where we start going up a mountain and I just start dying and she just up, she goes. And I'm like, here we go. And I'm like, just leave me alone. I'm coming. Here's the thing though. I will say like, in it's the other way around most of the time, but there are some days where I'm, I'm just mentally stronger. I don't know. Oh, um, <laughs> shots. That's all it is. It's like, okay. So we have friends that we've hunted with who, um, they may be a lot they be, they be, they may be in a lot worse shape than we're in yeah and then slower when it comes to hiking but you're never going to hear them say like i don't want to go anymore and that's what it takes is like okay somebody might be slower than you or they might not hike as fast as you but as long as they're like okay let's keep going or they're not complaining or they're not you know dying as long as it as long as they get there and they have a positive mental attitude and they're ready to keep going. That's what we look for in hunting partners. Yeah. And I think that's what he was kind of trying to say is like, yeah. neither of them are like, oh, I don't want to go any farther or, oh my gosh, it's too cold. Yeah. And it's like a, a big thing for a lot of female hunters. And I get there too, but I just have to mentally push through it. I actually have a condition where when it gets cold out, I lose all the blood in my hands. Yeah. And my hands will like literally like freeze up like this. And, um, it's super, super painful, but like, there's been circumstances where I know, like as his hunting partner, I'm like, okay, I got to just power through this because, you know, we have an opportunity here. And if I'm the one that takes that away from him, um, he's not going to be happy and I'm going to be even more disappointed than yeah. he is. So, um, just little things like that. Like yeah. when you pick your hunting partner, you want somebody who's going to be as mentally tough as you, if not tougher, because it doesn't really matter how in shape they are as long as they are willing to like push through the pain. Is it rain, rain out, rain outs, rain outs? What's the hand thing? Uh, it's called something with an R. Yeah, that's exactly what My I wife care. has it. Yeah, Laura has that. Her hands get blue. Like, you'll be yeah. sitting there and she'll just be, her feet do too. Her whole hand or whole foot would be like blue. Be what like, causes it? It's just bad circulation, I think. I don't really know. Yep. I'm like, and move I, your hand, man. It's going to fall yeah. off. <laughs> Squeeze something. It, it's so bad. And like, sometimes like my hands will start warming up after a while. And when they warm back up, it's almost worse. 
because then you get like this blood coming back to your hands and it literally feels like somebody took a shotgun and like shot through your I've never had that happen yeah but I've <laughs> but you, you could like, imagine what it feels yeah, like like, print, like tingly almost yeah yeah she she's mentioned like ne- needles almost feeling when it when it comes yeah, back like somebody like, like j- yeah jammed a screwdriver through your hand yeah jeez so yeah that's but, it's crazy um, um but it's yeah. I, I think that yeah go ahead go ahead <laughs> yeah yeah like please let me know because i could go a lot i could go a lot longer if i if they I make they make gloves those keep your no, hands no, I'm, what i found the best thing that's better than gloves are the muffs mm. like a hand muff yeah. that's my favorite thing i go fingerless gloves and the, the hand muff that's my favorite yeah if only there was a camo company we could talk to you about making a decent muff i know uh you know what though speaking of you know, this mental toughness, I feel like that that's where a healthy amount of shame comes in. I think, mm. I think right now, and this is just my hot take, but there's not enough shame. I think there should be a little bit more people ashamed of things. Like when I grew up, we'd go hunting and there was a level of shame that came with going in early when you were hunting, if it got cold. Mm-hmm. And so like, no matter what, I just wasn't going to be the first guy because I didn't want the shame. You didn't want the shame. You didn't want the like burning coals heaped up on me shame. Uh, and that was a bittersweet though if you came in early because number one, you're warm. You're warm. Yeah. But number two, you had to start up breakfast. Yep. And you knew that the young, the the coming shame. Yeah. They well they'd was, be like. Well, why are you in so early? They're like, well, and well, you didn't want to say. I always it like, you know, I lost my third toe. And like, yeah, exactly. I, I was because most of this deer camp for us here in Michigan, it's like it can be hot or cold. Like it can mm-hmm. be freezing cold, you know, uh, you know, really cold. You're just sitting still, um, which I know you guys don't do a ton of out west, uh, but some of it is. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, the shame. I, I thought they're like that. That was a good thing. Like now, I think of it, and I'm like, I just won't be. I don't want anybody to know if I'm uncomfortable because mm-hmm. I don't want them to be like, oh, there's that guy that's, you know, slowing. He's clearly, you know, struggling. I don't want that. Well, I, I think the way that you find like ultimate success in that situation is when you're super, super uncomfortable. You have to allow. You have to learn how to still think clearly through those situations. Yeah. Because if, if, if I'm in a position where it's negative 20 and the wind's blowing yeah. and I move my hands and I know there's like a 5% chance that I'm going to kill a deer, I'm just going to live to hunt another day and go back. Yeah. But if it's a situation where I'm like, listen, we're into elk. I know it's got awfully miserable, but like if, if there's an opportunity presented, you always stay. Yeah. But if you're in your stand one day and you're like, dude, there's honestly a 2% chance I kill a deer. It's sleep. Yeah. It, it's, there becomes a point where it's like, where is it like holding on to your pride and like there's got to be a sensible level right yeah still go out tomorrow and i honestly believe it'll live to hunt another day that i'm I'm stubborn as hell though yeah same here i struggle with that Mm -hmm. i struggle making that decision because the whole time i'm like you know because i've done it before where i went in once uh and Mm -hmm. i'm like and i i went back about half an hour late i went i'm like i got down i'm like it's cold i'm gonna push around and then come back and I got down, came back, and literally in the snow, a buck had walked under my tree stand, sniffed my – because I left everything up, left my – sniffed my um, my ladder or my, my sticks, sticks. That's the word I'm trying to think of, and then kept going. And I'm like, seriously, it was 15 minutes. I could have been there longer, and now it's like I, I'll never forget that. That drives me crazy. 
I think a lot of it's dictated too on the time you have to hunt, right? Yep. If you have a five day out of state hunt, like you're utilizing every second, no matter the conditions. But if you're on a, you know, two week elk hunt, it's like, hey, yep, I, I exactly marathon evening to actually be able to finish this thing out. So, yep. yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that go into that side of it. So, uh, I have to ask now I'm thinking about this Eastern hunter versus, you know, Western hunters styles are different, but like you've, you've hunted, I'm, I'm sure with both like woodsmanship skills, like how do Eastern hunters and Western hunters stack up against each other? You guys have been exposed to a lot of them. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's honestly different. Sure. I think I think, I don't know. For me, say I was doing like a, a public land management hunt. Yeah. I think it would struggle a little bit because from what I've seen, it's hard. Landmarks are tough out there. Yeah. For us, you look at a mountain, you're like, okay, that's north. I always know which direction that sure. mountain is. So land navigation and woodsmanship, like if you have some common sense out here, you're pretty well good to go. But I, I don't know. It, it's really hard to say. I've never, I've actually never hunted out around you guys. I've never hunted in super thick, dense country before that's relatively flat. And the flatness is what'll always throw a western hunter off, in my mm. opinion. Because you turn around and you're like, well, I can't see anything. I can't see above the canopy. And everything looks exactly the same. Yeah. And that's where it gets tough, in my opinion. Yeah, the cedar swamps of northern Michigan. You start memorizing trees. Yeah. I know that yeah. tree. It's like, but yeah, I saw it again. Dang it. You know, <laughs> uh, but no, for us, that that is a, a tough a tough thing we've had where we've we've gone north to hunt, and it's like everything looks, everything is, you know, seven, I, eight feet tall. It's a swamp. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to dog on you when I say this, though, but I feel like I do not have that problem. No, you don't. That's handy. Actually, I'm terrible with direction. I'm, yes. I'm not good. And so when we hunt, I'm always like, hey, man. We need to go this way. I'm like, we, no. Which way are you going? We need to go this and, way. And I'm literally almost always the opposite of the road. Yeah. Like, and there are literally times where we split. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right? And then I'll be waiting at like a, a an obvious checkpoint, yeah. right, that I know he has to come by this spot to get to get back wherever we're going. And I'll just stand there and it's like – Pride comes before comes. the fall, man. <laughs> That's why uh, I'm a wanderer too. So I yeah. uh, I tend to just go and then like never stop. Like I just kind of walk around. I'm like, oh, what's up there? And man, by the time I'm like done, I'm like, I have no idea where I am. I've Well, navigating out here, like general land navigation out here for us is really easy. Is like 80% of the spots we hunt, you hike straight up out of the truck. Yeah. So you may not always land right on the truck, but as long as you come back down the hill, right, you're probably going to be okay. And yeah. most places, like once you get into them and you've studied studying them enough on whatever you know map it might be, a lot of these places will have ridge systems that are really consistent. Sure. Well, your ridges will run north to south, and then once you get to a certain spot, they'll start to bend into the west. And you can learn how to play off these ridge systems and be super mobile in a steep country. But you always know that as long as I catch that ridge that's headed south, it's going to shoot me towards my truck or to my camp or wherever it is. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. for backpacking, that's kind of a different animal. Um, but just for, you know, the general truck hunter, it's – I find it pretty easy. Even if it's thick and dense, just if you're normally headed up or you're headed down. And that's yeah. going to get you safety from there. You got huge ma markers that are just yeah. immovable. They don't go anywhere very fast at least. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I we've uh, well, you, you guys have to come out east. Like, we'll we'll 
we'll get you on some uh we'll get you lost in a swamp you know I we're happy to do that on I some think, michigan um, swamp oysters yeah I think we're, um like i don't know when did when did joe say i think we're coming out in october or november mm-hmm. to michigan i think we're, I think we're so. gonna come in october and hunt with joe sounds like up in the up oh he's got that spot he was talking to me about up's that, a trek that's some it is. that's some thick country it up is there. thick and uh the deer hunting isn't is not like for a while it was you know back in like the 60s through the late 80s it was like almost the like the deer be. mecca yeah. uh and then now it's just they mm-hmm. say wolves or like uh, poaching or just bad deer management I, I there's a ton of different opinions about it but it it went down substantially i think it's it's getting better from what i've heard and i i hear that joe's spot is is all right mm-hmm. uh, but i don't know too much about it so so you'll be out at least we got cuz i i wanted to connect with you guys but you had <laughs> But we had kind of crossed paths as I was coming east from staying out west for about a month. You guys were yeah. doing the opposite. So it's bummed yeah. I got to miss you. No, I'm just excited to see it because what I've learned is like everybody from where, you know, Michigan, Pennsylvania, I mean, even places like Arkansas, we always get the same thing. Well, you know, I know what you guys do is so much harder. And I'm like, listen, man, it, it's honestly a similar concept. Yeah, I hike a couple miles somewhere. I sit on a ridge and sit behind the glass until I see something to go after. Yeah, a lot of these guys that we talk to, especially in Michigan, they're like, "Yeah, we hike in, you know, two, three miles, and then mm-hmm. we sit in the camp." And I'm like, it, "It, the concept is really not that much different." No, and uh, I'm just like, I'm just excited because we've heard so much about it up to this point. Yeah, I find like heck with it. I don't care about the size of deer. I don't care about any of that. I just want to go sit in the tree. And just see what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Even if we kill a doe or yeah, yeah. don't anything at all, just to at least at least experience it. I will say I think the biggest advantage or um, skill set, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, that I feel like Eastern hunters have over Western hunters is patience. Because yes. um, you all sit in a tree stand for sometimes twelve to fourteen hours a day and it's like it's hard for us to sit in one spot for an hour let alone oh, it drives like, it trust me it drives me nuts oh i hate it we we and the thing is though we've kind of changed in how we approach that mm-hmm. like you know a lot of times we'll do things where we'll set up and we'll a lot of times we'll be on the ground right set up in a ground blind and maybe we'll see deer movement and then actually get up and move uh and almost still hunt kind of uh and honestly, it's just because it sucks to sit for that long well, in the cold, just sitting there. That and you've got you're putting so much. Yeah, there's so much risk in choosing the right tree, right? So many right. of the elements have to be in play. Wind has and to be right. Everything's got to be perfect for that one tree. And if something happens, you're you're shit out of the game. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. I've always thought about that, and there's this. There's too much risk in choosing a tree where if you just kind of hunt on the ground sometimes. That's a, that's can, my biggest anxiety. You can, you can eliminate a lot of that just yeah. by yeah. Na- being able to move around. You like get out there, you're like, ah, that's a tree. That's a good tree, but like yeah. there's something the I can. The thermals see. are gonna drop here, and yeah. the wind's blowing here at night. It's like it's like paralysis you by analysis. Yeah. You get out there, it's like. Ah. Well, the same thing out here. Like I said, it's the same concept. We're gonna get to the spot in the morning and be like, man. This is a cool glassing knob, but if we hike an extra 15 minutes up the ridge, that gives us a bunch more elevation, opens up twice as much country. So those decisions go both ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think 
but is what's nice for us is if we blast for an hour and it doesn't work, we just pack up and move up the ridge. Yeah. You can always go, go, go. So I understand uh once you pick a spot, man, like that's it. Yeah. But you know, a lot that. of a lot of it's like we're seeing and we we it's it's kind of the cool thing about having a podcast is you get to see where hunting trends are where these mm-hmm. people who are like experts what they're doing. And like we've been seeing more and more where uh like strategies are kind of like like kind of mixing. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. a lot of guys like Bo Martonic had him out on the podcast uh, on the podcast a while back. He's like kind of mountainy. Like he's the east meets west their west whatever it is podcast east meets west east meets west uh can't hard to say that uh anyways like very mobile like you're moving around a lot and like we've talked to guys who brought their tree saddle out to the west mm-hmm. and, and hung over a, a water, a water hole, hole or, or something. something and like whitetail hunted for uh for elk and like found success that way so there's a lot of ways to do it and there's a lot of shared ideas there's so much crossover in there man like yeah if i I'm stuck in my ways. Like I'm always going to hunt at home the way that I like to hunt. Yeah. I, can take, I mean, we could go to an area right now with a couple of tree saddles and I guarantee you rips at 150 white tail bucks. Yeah. I, it's not the way that I like to hunt, but if you brought that mentality over here to some of these crick bottom areas we have, um, you, yeah, the success you would have would be astronomical. It's just so hard to do as a, as a non-resident unless you're, unless you have three weeks. Yeah. You need a lot of reps. Yeah. Um, because you know, our white tailor, they're very patternable. They're very predictable, but you start to play that public private game, getting permission, figuring out boundaries, that whole thing. I could see that coming in like her and I, we just scout all summer and figure it out. But for someone who's coming over here, it would, it would be tough. Yeah. Yeah. For like anytime I'm traveling and not, you go through like, Western Nebraska and like Eastern parts of like Colorado, Montana and stuff. It's like, I mean, you just focus on the waterways and I feel yeah. like that's like, that's where you'll find all the deer. Cause everything else, there's nowhere for a deer to go. You, there's only one thicker edge, which deer, you know, we've talked about a hundred times on the podcast. Deer just love edge. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's like you said, it's like, there's the private public kind of dilemma and, and figuring out and just, you need a lot of reps to go into a new place and be successful. And it's hard to, in, in like a five, we, we've, you know, we've done it. We've tried it a lot where you go to a new spot, you give it five days and see what you could do. And it's fun, but you yeah. don't have the same success as if you had two weeks and you could really pick apart an area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. Mobility is key out here. I mean, there's spots that, that we have that, I mean, you can go into an area, hunt it for a day and not see a single deer and go two drainages over. Yeah. And just all you do is walk 800 yards. Yeah. And with so many deer, you don't even know what to do with yourself. I mean, we see it all the time, and it's, it. I don't know. I'm, I'm really indecisive. Yeah. She's always like, dude, just pick something and go with it. Just, I always tell him to trust himself. Yeah. yeah. I'm always like, I get this game plan in my head, and then I see the country, and I'm like, uh, let's throw an audible out there and do something yep. different. You do that, it never works. So. So you're always cheering them on, like, just stick to you with your gut. Well, I, so I think part of the reason why we hunt so well together, and it wasn't always like this, when we first started hunting together, we butted heads a lot because we just grew up hunting a little differently. Still both Western hunters, but the way his, you know, family taught him to hunt was different than the way my dad taught me to hunt. And so um, I'm a lot more, like, patient and a lot more, like, okay, if this doesn't work, then we'll try something different tomorrow. 
and he's definitely like a next ridge kind of guy and so like <laughs> so I would be like okay like we need to sit here for a few hours and just figure out what the best option is yeah and we'll tell you guys a story of like how this can play out here in a second but um he's like we haven't seen anything in the first 15 minutes i think we need to go to the next bridge yeah and so for a while we got in a few arguments when we were out hunting and he wanted to do things his way and thought my way was wrong and i got mad at him because i thought he was being a little bit too like um too just moving a little bit too quick. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but you know, after hunting together for a few years now, we last season, especially got into a really good groove with each other where like, he can kind of like push me a little bit further, but I could also make sure that he's not moving too fast yeah. and so kind of created this happy medium of you know, just working to each other's, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's playing off each other. Well, mm -hmm. yeah. no. Yep. But yeah, this, when we went on that bear hunt with Joe and Matt, um, the day that we arrived, we kind of, um, helped them find a, a good spot to hunt. And it's a spot that I actually killed my first bull elk when I was like 15. Um, and there's lots of bears in there and I'd hunted that spot for a lot of years. And then Travis went in and we found a couple more spots in the same area. And, um, Joe had been, you know, hunting bears for a few years here in Montana, had, didn't have any luck yet. And we were just stoked to be able to hunt with him and we kind of honestly wanted to hunt our own spot so we're like sure. joe just go in here like you'll probably find a bear um and sure enough he ended up finding a bear and um he shot the bear the day of the evening that we arrived at camp we were oh, actually wow. in we were actually in nebraska turkey hunting for the few days before mm -hmm. that and so we were running like a day behind them um and so they got there a couple days early and ended up killing a bear and then um, and then I was basically up next. So they spent the rest of their trip basically trying to help me find a bear to, to shoot as well. And we, I think it was like the second or third day that we were hunting with them. I think it was the second day that we hunted with them. Yeah. The yeah. second day we hunted with them, um, we ended up spotting a bear at like seven o'clock in the morning. So like pretty much right off the bat. And, um, we watched this bear feed into this little like creek bottom drainage with a lot of like brush and stuff and we were probably at least a mile away from the bear when we spotted it it was like 900 yards okay well anyways too far yeah. to shoot um and so we ended up just trying to watch that hillside we ended up watching the hillside for like 14 hours uh, but joe and travis wanted to just like basically just barge into the bushes and like try to find the bear yeah i can understand that yeah and, and i was kind of just like well i mean we know he's in there like he's not gonna escape because we can literally see every direction that he could possibly go and so we kind of all just discussed and like made a game plan and decided that we weren't gonna go barging and try so to you won there yeah <laughs> And, um, anyways, yeah, 14 hours later, we were all about ready to leave because we didn't see the bear. And this is where the Eastern hunting patients can come in. We were like this close to leaving and like literally five minutes before it got like too dark to shoot. Yeah. The bear comes walking up the hill <laughs> and, um, I ended up taking a shot. It was like what, 375 yards mm -hmm. or something. 
and um, we didn't find out until after the fact, but Travis's scope on his gun got bumped and the gun was shooting about a foot and a half low. So um, ended up taking a shot and I completely missed the bear. But um, yeah, just little things like that, like working to each other's strong suits, you know, having a partner that you can kind of discuss things with and being patient, but also not being afraid to be, you know, persistent or, um, you know, going after something like, those are all really important things, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of an example of how like our brains work and stuff. And because of Joe and Travis, we were able to make a really good game plan on how to get within shooting range that second time that we saw the bear. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge for a hunting partner, like playing off each other. Well, like, uh, like we do that a lot. Mm -hmm. We have very similar, like macro strategies, but then like micro things we'll do a little differently. Yeah. I would say I'm probably less patient. I got more ready. Yeah. To I could see there. that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm usually lost when we get out there. So that's like handy to have you around for that. <laughs> you abuse me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you guys, uh, what, what you, you mentioned you're coming out to Michigan, um, this year, what other, what other hunts you got lined up? So I think we're just going to do our standards. We were stupid and missed the uh, antelope deadline, <sighs> yep. deadline in Montana, which actually might be a blessing in disguise. So I think is what we're going to do is we'll, where we elk hunt, we can kind of cross over with mule deer pretty well. There's some good bucks that run around in there. Yeah. They basically all mingle together. So we can kind of do a crossover deer and elk hunt, and that'll consume most of our archery season. And then I think since we don't have rifle antelope tags, we'll do Michigan in October. And then I think, so our rifle season um, is in the rut. It's in November here. If everything goes as planned, which it probably won't, right? we won't, her and I, I'm hoping we'll have any tags left by the time we get there. And we honestly just want to take people that want to go. Like we'll all hunt with my family. We'll probably hunt with her family a little bit. We've got a couple friends coming in from the East that want to try the whole mule deer thing. Yeah. And it just gives us the excuse to be out there as much as humanly possible. Yep. We film, we can take photos. Um, and then I think to replace the antelope hunt, we're actually going to go down to Arizona in January and chase coos and javelina. That's and something I've been really wanting to do. Yeah. And you guys, have you done that before? Coos deer? No. We're super fortunate. Um, we have a good friend of ours is actually from the area. And it's kind of that same thing that I was looking at. And I actually think he's going to go with us. So oh, nice. It's the, from what I gather about the hunt, and I might be completely wrong, is it, the hardest things to do is to find them. Yeah. So once you find them, you know, they're rutting, they move a lot. You can hopefully get lucky on a decent game plan. But having someone there to help us actually find the damn things, I, I don't know. I think it'll be fun. And then we'll hopefully draw a couple javelina tags with it. That's a good way to spend a day javelina hunting, I've heard. Yeah. yeah. We've also played with the idea very brief, briefly. I'm like super gung-ho. I want to shoot an antelope with my bow. Oh, I yeah. shot punch with my rifle, but I'm like, I want to shoot with my bow. Um, Nebraska has over-the-counter archery antelope tags. Yep. So okay. as it gets closer to the season, if nothing's happening around August 15th, we may... I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Between work and weddings and all the summer stuff, you can we work to... remotely. I think you should go, man. I, I'm on her side. Mm-hmm. 
we, we can't work remotely. We are the opposite of working. Well, remotely. okay, we find we'll find an event to go to in Nebraska. Bingo. Yep. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, that's true. You're, you're, you know, you, how long you guys been married now? Four months. Four months. Yeah, you know, they'll learn that. He'll learn that at six months. That's what you <laughs> yeah, That's the six-month milestone. The yeah, I'm on year 11. You're on year five. Five? Yeah. So we'll. Uh, if you need any uh, tips, we we can give, share all our mistakes with you. Yeah. Yeah, but I think we're uh, this year will be pretty laid back. We have to travel a little bit, huh? but I think 2022, 2023, we're going to try to at least make one trip out to Alaska don't know if it's going to be a, like a black bear situation or a black tail situation. Nice. Um, we'd probably like to do that. And then we're looking at a few other things here and there. And I know New Zealand's way up on the list. That's kind of a big dream bucket list for me. So we might think about that in the next few years, but other than that, we'll stay at home as much as we can for now. Love it. Yeah. You guys have a good spot to hunt. Montana's mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, no, it works for us. And it's right in our backyard and it doesn't cost us, you know, thousands of dollars to go do it and yeah, have awesome. some of the hunter like 45 minutes from our house so yeah. it, it works pretty well, well are you guys uh you guys coming out here at all this year we have what is this year i am doing a bear hunt up north unless i don't get drawn in michigan mm-hmm. and then i'm going to try to get into canada mm-hmm. and if they don't open the border then i'm back to square one i have no idea um, we've got some deer hunts uh, in Michigan, like the standard thing, uh, which you, I mean, that takes, we spend a lot of time in Michigan, uh, a lot of time uh, on public land in Michigan. And then we've got a hunt actually with Matt um, on an island in like on the lake. So you get, you get a oh, charter, a boat. Fun. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you get out there and they drop you off for a week. And so we're going to go um, before a, like they have a, an open season where like you can, you get dropped off, you can use any weapon. They're okay. like, you, you, you don't, you, whatever you kill doesn't count against your tag. And it's like a population control because there's no predators for, for deer on the island. But we're going to go before that just to hopefully beat the crowd. And it'll still probably be like pre-rut-ish mm-hmm. um, right yeah. before Thanksgiving. So it'll be kind of heating up, hopefully. Um, and hopefully we run into some dumb deer. Because that's really our, our sweet spot is like the non-intelligent the, game. Yeah. It's, in your, in your bow hunt now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that should be fun. We'll do that, and we'll. I'm trying to, I'm trying to line up a few other like last minute things. I'm trying to get you to to go on some. We get it's just you never know. Like yeah. for us, the, the the plans are pretty fluid, and it's like it could be September, and we're like, hey, we're gonna go out to uh, you know Wisconsin and hit the early deer season or mm-hmm. something random like that. And so you got your your set plans, which is hunt the rut here, and the rest mm-hmm. is you know kind of up in the air. Hopefully, Canada opens soon. That's that would be big for us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've been, well, we're big into the waterfowl side too. So oh, yeah. that's been kind of in a position where we're ready to go take on the whole Canada waterfowl thing. Yeah. We haven't been able to go. So, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's... Have you guys, you guys do any waterfowl hunting? Uh, I'm going this year. This, I've never gone. Can't say as I have. I'm going this year. I've been trying to get these guys to take me goose hunting with my bow. Yeah. Uh, which I think would be really fun. And yeah. I, they're going to take me to do some gu- uh, duck hunting. They, these guys, they have their own uh, Instagram account. What are they? Duck. I forgot what they are. Uh, anyways. It's all you, dude. And they'll, but they'll go and they don't eat all their geese. They just, I'll come home and they will be like a pie. I had 15 geese on my driveway uh, last year and they're like, here, you want it? And so like they supply me with goose meat, but I've, I've been wanting to, to get into it for a while. So this should be my first sure. year doing that. Yeah. 
it's it's fun it's it's a great it's a great way to like fill up that space in between hunting seasons you know like yeah in between like fall season and like turkey season in the spring yeah like december and january yeah waterfowl hunting is, is yeah a blast that's awesome because mm-hmm. historically that's when we're out squirrel rabbit hunting and sometimes right. like raccoon like some night some night coon hunting mm-hmm. you know so well that's cool well we're coming up on time um but you know as people are looking forward to the hunts you guys talked about you know looking forward to seeing a lot of the the tips and the cool things you guys share how can they find you um and just you know follow along well my instagram is probably the easiest place because like all of our other channels are linked on our instagram so my Instagram is just Miranda.huff and my name is spelled pretty funky. So it's M-A-R-A-N-D-A dot H-O-U-G-H. And then Travis has his Yeah, and too. my Instagram is just Travis Huff underscore. Nice. Keep it simple. Yeah, hmm. keep it real straightforward. It's Huff. I told you. I was wondering how to pronounce your last name. And I, when I introduced I, you, I'm like, I'm just not going to say the last name. <laughs> I, I figured it would get caught up at some point. Yeah, I was like, <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. No, people think it's like Hugh or hug, like hug or what what did you guys think it was? I thought thought Huff. I thought it was Huff. I just didn't want to be wrong. Yeah. (laughs) We should have said right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I should have just, you know, that's that taking that chance. Well, that's cool. Well, we appreciate you guys coming on and just chatting with us for a little while. Uh, Hopefully we connect soon and uh, see what you guys are up to. Yeah. No, we appreciate you guys having us. And like you said, we'll be out in Michigan and, with the connecting relationships with Joe and Matt and the whole Huntwise crew and whatever else may come forward, I, I see us being out there probably. Giddy awesome. up. So, All right, we'll guys. Line up. We'll have to have you guys out here eventually to shoot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along on what we're currently up to, Hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at Volga Hunting. Join us next week and we'll see you then.